All right, let's do this. Welcome to The Witcher Lorecast, the show that explores the vast lore behind The Witcher games, show, and books. Welcome back, Witchers. This is The Witcher Lorecast. I'm your host, Tom, or Robots, with my good buddy, the man of all the knowledge on the continent, in his brain right now, Toasty. Toasty, how'd you get such a big brain? I, I didn't. It's, I mean, it's like it's in there, but I don't mean I can just pull it at will. <laughs> okay. We've proven that. Uh, you can attest to that. Dude, I do a bunch of different lore casts. And at any moment, if somebody was like posts something on Discord and is like, hey, what about this one thing about this thing in this one particular part of the game here? And I'm just like, I know what you're talking about, but I'm, I have to look it up. <laughs> like, it doesn't all sit in there. You're right. It doesn't all sit in there at the same time because sometimes it's, you know, brains. Welcome back to the show, friends. Um, we're talking about brains today. No, actually, we're talking about a very specific group. Toasty, who are we covering? Uh, we're, we're covering the A and She today. A and Sheed. You know, when I read this in the, in the show notes, my brain immediately went to Auld Lang Syne, which isn't doesn't sound anything like it. But the fact that the words are funny gave me that association. And then I was going to make a joke about the song, but I was like, that's too much of a stretch. That's not funny at all. So I bailed on that one. So you're welcome. Toast okay. is, Toast is just brushing his chin. He's just like, mm, all right. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So it's the, here. the you know, seed, I gotta do something. The A and Seed is <sighs> a uh, fancy elven name for for the particular elves that inhabit the continent. So we're talking like a specific group of elves. Yes. And I, I have a feeling there's a lot to dig into on this one. So why don't we kick this off? Where do we start? Where do we even start when we're talking about an entire group of people? Um, we start with the entire group of people. We just talk about all of them simultaneously. Yeah. So we start with, just in general, the elves. Um, so, uh, elves are one of the humanoid races that inhabit the continent. They form a major part of the elder races along with the dwarves and gnomes. Uh, elves believe that they were created unlike humans who evolved for this reason. Some elves consider humans to be little more than hairless apes. (laughs) So, Oh, that's so interesting because which is, you know, I mean, like if you think about evolution, Oh yeah, I mean that's are t- we not? Like, yeah, sure. But, but, I mean, you could you could say we're waterless fish. I mean, all all the links in the chain add up to something, right? Um, but it, man, that's so interesting that like in the world of the con- continent, science has progressed to the point where like the human communities, or at least the mages and the, those knowledgeable, would say like, okay, there's evidence for this, right? Like, mm-hmm. but the elven community still doesn't hold that they. Come, they, like they're like no we come from a very specific source we were created this is who we are this is who we've always been um and even with the conjunction of spheres that whole mixing up of the two there's still some i guess there's still enough evidence for the humans to be like yeah before we showed up on the continent we were still evolving somewhere else mm-hmm. which is interesting um, it's interesting yeah i mean that's like kind of one of the things i like about this universe is just the fact that like you have magic but like you also have science and there's like 
Actually, like our own world. Hand in hand most of the time. Like the real world. Exactly like the real world, Tom. <laughs> Just like the real world. <laughs> um, uh, aside from the A and She, there exists another group of elves called the A and L that inhabits another world. So elves are divided into different like subspecies or sub races. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And we talked about this a little bit on the whole conjunction of spheres that went back at the beginning of the show. And we did talk more uh, about this as well as like with the, uh, the wild hunt episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, elves are capable of interbreeding with humans, thus producing half elves, quarter elves and dryads. Um, though elves are incredibly long lived, only young elves are fertile. Thus elven populations tend to reproduce at a slower rate than humans. Interesting. I wonder if there, I, I don't think we've gotten this in any of the books or any of the, the content, but I wonder if there's like a, an age, you know, like humans are the same way, right? Like, like women after a certain age can't produce children, but that's about but, the end of the midlife section of your life, you know, but like, mm, when does that is different right. because elves can live for like much longer than humans yeah. can. So yeah. like That's, at what point is like, what is young? Like as the first century, is that young? Right. Or is it like, like actually like up to like, you know, the same age as humans. And then after that, but they still live for the next like 300 years of like, how does, how does that work? Yeah. I don't think but, we get any uh, specifics on that, but it would be interesting mm-hmm. to know more. Uh, as for appearance, uh, characteristic features of elves include pointed ears and small identical teeth without cuspids or canine teeth. So no pointy ones. No pointy ones. They don't need them. Uh, elves tend to be very tall and lean and due to their longevity often appear youthful. Elves are often considered attractive by humans. Like humans, elves choose to wear a variety of different clothing styles, although Scoia'tael are known to favor furs and hides, particularly those of squirrels and other forest-dwelling creatures. Which is part of where they get the name, right? It's because Scoia'tael means squirrels. Squirrels. Yeah. Uh, They are also known to wear makeup, itself being an elven invention. Ah, So the humans didn't invent makeup in the world. That's so interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Or the elves were at least the first ones to to invent it on the continent so they get the credit for it uh, a and she are generally tall but shorter than the a and l as well as more slim and fine than humans they have slender faces with strong cheekbones most common hair colors are black blonde and ginger red but others like white occur as well eyes are often bl- green or blue but sometimes ah, but unusual colors appear more commonly than among humans sometimes they have an epicanthic fold but not always. So that is, uh, mm. I actually looked that up. So it's uh, a fold of skin that uh, of the upper eyelid and like the mm. inner corner, most often seen in like people of like Asian descent. Yeah. It's, it's uh, why, it's why um, typically you've got uh, in Caucasian circles, people would say like, Oh, Asians have slanty eyes. And that was like a racial thing, right? It was a, it was a very rude thing to say. But it's because their eyes are actually designed differently. The shape of their eye isn't so much different so much as the deposit of uh, like flesh around the edges. Yeah, so they have more like skin kind of like on the inside here. And so it it gives that appearance. Um, uh, For culture, uh, the elven culture places an emphasis on naturalism and living in harmony with the land rather than bending it to one's will. Urban elves tend to be very scholarly and artistic 
but can take up a variety of professions just like humans. Rural elves that do not live amongst humans live a somewhat simpler lifestyle, hunting, gathering, and living off the land as needed. In battle, elven warriors favor bows and metal swords, as well as light armor made out of furs and hides. They tend to be skilled at sword fighting from horseback. So, so pretty common, pretty common stuff. You know, like very, they, like they fit in well with nature. They, you know, stand uh, use typical weapons. Nothing <laughs> too out there when it comes to yeah, that I stuff. Mean, we we see this like fairly often, I think, in like other representations of elves too mm-hmm. and things. So, uh, language. Most elves speak elder speech, the traditional language of the A and she. Almost all elves have at least a rudimentary familiarity with common speech, but many, particularly city-dwelling elves, speak the common tongue just as well as any other human. Yeah, it's so, been a long time since the conjunction at this point. Like, the cultures have mm-hmm. kind of melded enough that language is just what people... It's the thing that you speak commonly around the people you live with. So, yeah. Um as for technology which is kind of like a new thing for me i never actually like looked into it um it appears many elven clans in the north have a tradition of hunting gathering as elves of dolbathana are unfamiliar with agriculture and concepts such as crop rotation so i was i did i was familiar with this um it's mentioned in the at the edge of the world story because um the elves like they tell like Geralt that they don't know how to like manage a farm Right. Yeah. And yeah. that's part of what they were doing. Like they were kind of being, or, uh, Teruvia was like finding out that for them and they were going to like attempt it on their own kind of thing. That's really uh, interesting. You would think that that would be something that you would learn from the humans. I mean, I guess there might be kind of a, uh, I don't know, a certain arrogance there of like, well, it's a human invention. Why would we need it? Right. So they're not going to do it. But well, they've always like that was kind of the this goes back to like their naturalistic like culture of like they they live off the land, but they're like in a way of like not taking more than than they need. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the humans adapted, took over land and would like take a surplus of things and that gave them less of the land to live off of. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, you know, you have to adapt or or die most of the time like in, in the real world like this yeah <laughs> though many are now destroyed elves were once capable of making great cities and palaces out of stone but they did not make castles or fortresses however by the time of the 13th century many of these settlements had long been destroyed or occupied and altered by humans elven bows are renowned for their lightweight and ease of use and experience hunters often favor them over human bows a style of elven bow known as the zafar is shorter in arc length and formed from a composite of wood and animal sinew the human hunter milva claimed that Though lighter than human U-bows, Zafars will launch an arrow at a higher velocity and with a reduced spread of accuracy. Their arrows are often fletched with gray feathers and the shaft fluted for increased stiffness and weight reduction, mm-hmm. resulting in almost silent shots. So this is like a, a really good for getting in close with your enemy and making sure that that, that one arrow shot like pierces. Yeah. Rather they than like, have to, like range distance close, they have like the yeah, so they have the uh, or it's just fast. A reduced <laughs> wait, so when it says a reduced spread of accuracy, does that mean like that? That means it's more accurate, it's actually so more the accurate. Spr- so there's less so whenever, of a yeah, when they're referring to like spread, they mean like, like if you 
have played like video games, like first person shooters, yeah, yeah, yeah. whenever you shoot the gun for a longer time, your bullets start going all yeah, over the it place. It scatters like the, the, the circle of area spread. Yeah. Potentially yeah, so, increases. Yeah, yeah. So this is basically, they had like, they make it to where it's like a smaller, like much more accurate essentially. Yeah. So yeah. they could, and it's a higher velocity, so it could travel farther. Right. So right. they could basically like snipe from range with these kinds of things. So oh, I gotcha. Uh, yeah. That helmet. sounds, that sounds like, so they're like the snipers of the, uh, the ranged weapons of the Witcher world, basically. Mm-hmm. Elven arrow has complemented consisting of three edged razor sharp blades that bored in like a screw and created major internal damage. Oof. That sounds yeah. terrible. It, I mean, isn't that the point of like, this is, this is just yeah. how technology advances in our world too. Like, right. Well, isn't one of the reasons why, and correct me if I'm wrong, anybody, uh, one of the reasons why arrowheads are shaped the way they are is not only just so that they pierce going in, but that when you pull them, you have to pull them out. And when you pull them out, they do a lot more damage coming out than they did going in. Yeah, the bladed arrowheads in particular, like they, mm-hmm. they catch. So you have to, generally you have to like push them all the through. way through in yeah. order to. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. That's no good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, elves created magnificent towns and palaces before the arrival of humans to the continent, destroying many of them following conflicts as they did not wish for elven architecture to fall in the hands of humans. Many modern human cities, including Novigrad, Oxenfurt, Mitsima, Tredegor, Maribor, Sidaris, and the city of Sintra are built on the ground of destroyed elven cities. Many elves and half-elves yeah. have managed to integrate into human society, but are still faced with pred- prejudice on a day-to-day basis. Others have chosen to live in the wilds in secluded clans, living off the land and avoiding all contact with humans if possible. This is a, like a, another, I, I've been joking a little bit about some of the real world stuff, you know, like magic and stuff, but um, the concept of one like nation or people group taking over another nation or people group and then reusing the sites where the cities were is very, very historically accurate. Like there's a reason why that city was put where it was. Chances are it's because of the natural resources nearby access to water defensibility, like those kinds of things. So if it's already a good place for a city, even if you burn the place down, it makes sense to put another city on top of it, which is why archaeologists are able to find such long lasting amounts of history under certain city locations by just digging deeper. You're, you're actually getting to previous versions of the people in the cities that lived there. That's actually pretty cool because it's, it's so realistic. It's actually because it's interesting to think because like you see that I feel like you see that a lot in like fantasy settings of like, you know, building on top of like what was there before or like, you know, or just inhabiting locations of places that were not as well. Like I know, but I mean, my reference for here, like Skyrim, mm-hmm. I think the city of Markarth is like a fully dwarven built city. Yeah. And the humans just took it over after the, the dormer disappeared. Yeah. So it was like, you see that concept, but like modern world, we don't really like do that. Like we find the ancient like cities and we're like, okay, we're going to preserve this. now. <laughs> well, and, and yeah, well, some cultures still do. Like there's a lot of uh, destruction of ancient stuff in, <clears throat> uh, in the middle East, for example, like there's, there are places in Iraq that we as Westerners cannot travel to. 
And there's a lot of historical stuff that's either been destroyed by some of the groups there that disagree with their history. <laughs> they want to say that things didn't happen the way the, the sites show that they did. So uh, or they've resettled those locations and with different groups. Um, but like the city of London, for example, you, you you can still see the Roman architecture in some of the buildings that are around. And like if you own property in London, you might you know, own a little a little plot of land or a little home or something. And then you decide, oh, I'm going to dig into the ground in order to run some, you know, some wires or some pipes or something. And then all of a sudden you realize like, oh, there's actual like remains of like Roman stuff down here, including like dead bodies or, you know, structures that were previously on that same exact location. Um, it's it's really cool. It's really cool when you when you can find out more about that kind of thing. The idea that like civilizations are living on top of ancient civilizations is just kind of a really interesting concept. In the uh, United States, it's not as much like that because the people groups that were here didn't have established yeah, cities the way like, that we did. And if we kicked them off their land, it wasn't like we were also burning down, you know, stone structures because most of them didn't build stone structure buildings. Um, but there are still, you know, Native American burial areas that you can find and places like that that have been kind of built over. Because we're only like 500 years old in comparison yeah. to like yeah. many other places in the world that are like thousands. Right. And the people groups who were here before us, the Native Americans were much more. They're much, they live much more like small. the elves did. They were they were more, you know, in sync with the land and not building mm -hmm. up city locations the way we do. Yeah. Uh, as for religion, uh, elves once before humans arrived on the continent worshipped a deity similar to Melitola in that they wish worshipped a goddess of harvest and fertility. That's it. That's all we know, huh? Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. So yeah. it's it's like they've almost been erased by the time of the events of, you know, Geralt living in the world. Uh, for the most part, the elves are relegated to kind of the corners of society. And and so much, uh, you know, you have to wonder how much of their history has been lost as well. You know, like I actually get to a point of that, like, too, with uh, with later when we talk about like kind of the history of stuff or whatever. Yeah. Like, I mean, with here, like the the examples they give, like they've just they've willingly destroyed pieces of their culture to avoid them being taken over by humans. Right. Like, that's how right. I guess how precious it is to like, can you like, imagine that? Like your culture being so sacred to you that you would rather destroy it than someone else have it. Yeah. I think it's also part of maintaining control because as mm -hmm. if you decide to get rid of it, at least you made the decision, then it being taken from you, you know? Um, yeah. Interesting stuff. I, I love when fantasy worlds are designed in ways that are very, you know, uh, plausible, realistic. Well, all right. We need to get to the history stuff, but before that we have to thank our patrons. So why don't we go do that and we'll be right back. Welcome to the Witcher Lorecast. That's not the right button. Very well. Let us get this over with. Something has infested my vineyard. Mm-hmm. Great. Let me go prepare my something oil then. Patrons, this is where we get to thank you guys and remind you, those of you who are tier four or higher, that next week is our patron episode. It's coming up quick. It is the end of the month, uh, man, a Sunday, a week from Sunday is the last day of the month, which means upcoming Monday, the 25th is the last Monday of the month. So 
If you want to join us, make sure that you can do so 9 p.m. Eastern time, 6 p.m. Pacific, Monday night. And um, if you haven't already signed up on the Patreon, but you want to join us for one of these live chats, then now is the time to do it. You still got time to get in before the actual live chat happens. Um, But thank you so much to all of you, all 16 of our patrons currently. And to our three higher vampires, Ben of Temeria, Vita Bjornin, and Bane the Hospital Guy. Thank you so very much. You guys get shout outs every week. Um, man, we would love to have more of you guys join us on the on the guest shows because those are so much fun. Toasty, we haven't really begun speculating about, or at least brainstorming, I guess would be a better word, uh, about what the topic will be this week. Um, but guys, let us know if you have some ideas, what you, things you want to discuss. Feel free to shout some stuff out on the Discord. Like guys, I just we gotta like you gotta come up with a topic or else Tom's just gonna pitch some random idea that slowly devolves into monster fucking. Okay, like you gotta. I mean, you gotta give us something so that we can actually move on from the tradition we have established. <laughs> yeah, unless that's really what they secretly like. I mean, that's what I secretly like. <laughs> so there's that. Uh, but thank you to all of our patrons. You guys are amazing. Also, another way to help us out is to leave ratings and reviews. I didn't hold on. I didn't mention patreon.com slash Witcher Lorecast. That's the website if you want to go to it. But you can also leave ratings and reviews. We don't have any new ones this week either. So if you like the show, you want to help us out, leave us a five star review with some words on Apple Podcasts. Even if you don't listen on Apple Podcasts, if you have an Apple Podcast account, you can still log in and drop a review. And uh, you can also rate the show on Spotify. Both are wonderful places and wonderful ways to help support us. And I think this is probably the best way to help support the show. Go tell a friend. Find somebody who plays The Witcher or enjoys the TV series or is super into the books and say, hey, check out this podcast. All right, let's move on with the rest of the show. You smell of death and destiny, heroics and heartbreak. It's onion. Right, yeah. Ben in chat says, I'll start brainstorming, LOL. You said that last time, Ben. <laughs> so Ben, this is on you. If we end up with a really dumb topic next week, it's not my fault. It's Ben's fault. It's Ben's fault. <laughs> he wears the shirt. Everyone, we want everyone on the podcast to know that. Yep. Everyone. Yep. This, go yell at Ben at the in the Discord. This responsibility, <coughs> responsibility is squarely. Man, words are hard. Squarely on Ben's shoulders. At least you can wear those shirts to work, Ben. I can't. <laughs> I I just saw it. I clicked over to the mm-hmm. stream just to mm-hmm. see mm-hmm. words is hard. Words is Good hard. Good job. Yeah, words is hard. All right. So let's talk about their history. History of the elves on the continent. What do we know? So, we know some things. Tell me things. Uh, the elves arrived on the continent on their white ships during the age of migration, 2,000 years before the arrival of humans. For a thousand years, the elves colonized much of the continent, mostly through peaceful means, though they did clash with several races such as brands, werebubs, and dwarves. Werebubs. Werebubs. One day. We'll talk about those one day. Werebubs. They've got to be cute, right? They're like cute creatures. I think I've seen a picture. I think they're werebubs. I think they're fairly cute. I feel like I want a werebub as a pet. Where? I'm looking this up while you talk. Bub. Uh, taking control of the Vrani city of Loch Muin. They later established several settlements and towns across current day northern realms. 
In the years immediately following the first landing, the elves either tended to ignore humans or tried to start peaceful relationships. One such example being when they took a group of human children to be trained in magic in Loch Muin. Later, after the massacres carried about carried out by Marshal Milan Rupinek, they started to leave their settlements, hoping that the march of humanity would stop at least, which of course it did not. <laughs> of course, of course it did not. Eventually, Doblathana and certain parts of modern-day Kaidwin became one of the last free habitats of the Aenshi. The elves who did not flee were rounded up and moved to reservations or forced to assimilate. So this uh, feels all too real. Some very like, uh, like, um, uh, Native Americans, like, yeah, uh, you know, there's a lot of similarities, especially from you know, from a writer who isn't you know of this or that culture you know of uh, either modern day american culture or native american culture who like these topics come up in our history classes and stuff right because we live here um for somebody who lives on a different continent to be drawing inspiration for characters from something that happened in a very different place pretty cool we know we know research was done he'd be doing his research yeah a lot of it so yeah Yeah. uh, because i don't imagine he grew up on all of the tales of Slavic folklore monsters. You might have, maybe. I don't imagine. Maybe I have a feeling that that kind of stuff like works its way into kind of the uh, the fabric of your culture. Like it's not the kind of thing where you like, oh, I went to bed and oh, old Nana told me the story of you know Grindelwald the baby eater again to put me to bed, you know, or whatever. But I feel like those kinds of stories are just kind of underneath in the culture. The same way that like in like Western European folklore is still underneath uh, in American culture. The idea of like werewolves and vampires and, and those kinds of things that have made it more into our popular culture. Uh, around the 1600, or sorry, <laughs> I read the number wrong in the 1060s. Uh, elven youth led by uh, Aileron rose up against human rule, despite their elders warnings. Contrary to their ancestors' advice, these rebels destroyed any palaces and cities they could not defend in order to prevent them from falling into human hands, like dozens of elven settlements before. The rebellion was quashed, and most of the young elves were killed, as the elders had predicted. This drastic reduction in their numbers also led to threatening the future of the elven kind. Because it was a bunch of, like you said before, only the young ones are fertile, and a ton of them were put to death in this this rebellion so uh all that was really left was the elders and of course and not really uh not really able to reproduce there yeah yeah so this is still a considerable amount of time in the past from the current events because we're talking like the 10 what was this the 1060s i think we're in the 12s Right yeah, I'm, so I'm What's looking it up because I had the question 12s. of that because we, we dance around these numbers depending on which thing <laughs> we're talking about and when it happened in the books and wherever. Um, so, so for example, the short story Sword of Destiny takes place in 1262. So that's kind of a solid connection point, right? So this yeah. this begins like the story about like uh, Radovig and uh, the and the uh, Empire invading the Northern Kingdoms, the First Northern War, all of that stuff. That's twelve sixty three, and Witcher three starts in twelve seventy two. Yeah, so this is two hundred years before all of those events. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, a few attempts to improve interracial relations were later taken. One of the greatest advocates of the idea of proximity and coexistence was Kriginen of Laud, a mighty human sorcerer. His plans were disrupted by humans who accused him of treason because of his marriage to Lara Doran. And Elvin Syvern, like words are hard. Syvern, Syvern, uh, which um, I'll just talk about that like real quick um, <laughs> because there's not very many. Uh, there's only like five that we know about. Um, basically, they were just elves that possessed like magic skills um, and like were kind of like oracles or sages um so they had like like a a lot of yeah they had like a lot of like knowledge and prophetic abilities um so did they hold like a specific place in the culture where they kind of held up for that or were they ostracized (laughs) for it because usually it's one or the other um they usually i think it was like held up because we only we only know of uh, I guess it just depends on the situation because a few of these are a bit different. I mean, we know Lara Doran. She's kind of like a legendary. She, I mean, she is a legendary figure. Shows um, up on the show. I mean, everything, she's, yeah, we get like a whole scene with, you know, her wackiness yeah. towards the end of the season. Yeah, um, there's uh, some other people. Auburn. M- Mears talk, uh, Ida Imayan app, Sydney, Simless Finn app, De Bear, and a more familiar name for some people, Avalok. Avalok. It's probably From, it's just easier to say. Yeah. It, well, it's easier to say, and he's in The Witcher 3. Um, mm-hmm. he's, he's the elf that Siri travels with a lot. So, um, yeah. It's kind of like specific talent for these kinds of things. Um, and they were kind of considered like, another sub race um but a lot of people got them confused because they generally got formed into this misconception of like just like wise elven sages kind of thing which didn't make you um an iron Severn. you like there was very particular uh so they were genetically situation. different if, yeah if we speak like gene wise i, I wonder how i mean we know we know that, that right <laughs> i mean like laura doran like being the progenitor of like the elder blood like uh in in her in series line we don't really see that as like a prominent example on everyone else's you know so yeah so that that does solve some of that especially because the show doesn't explain it very much this idea that like if she was this ancient elf and everybody you know is it just because she was an old elf like from a long time ago when they did they used to be more powerful but the idea that like she is like factually different race right than the rest of them different to the other elves and that they're very rare that Mm -hmm. yeah Hmm. uh the couple was ambushed near foam and kriganin was murdered laura managed to escape but died alone after queen sarah of redania refused to help her freaking queen sarah you know i don't really know who that is don't trust those redanians dude they suck (laughs) (laughs) right Uh, this infuriated, infuriated the elves and triggered another war, which ultimately led to the conquest of Dolbothana by Ader. The conflict fostered racial tension that continued through the 13th century. Another chance for independence came along in the 1260s when the Nilfgaardian Empire reached Amel and began its invasion of the Northern Realms. Elves throughout the North started to form 
Scoia'tael commandos together with dwarves and halflings, the Scoia'tael established close cooperation with the Imperial military and secret service during the second Northern war, taking part in a number of operations and massacres against Nordlings. The chaos of war allowed them to retake Doblathana and make it an independent realm with Enid and Enid and Gliana or uh, Daisy, the Valley, Francesca Findebeyer as the ruler, the Vrihid brigade, a division of the fourth horse cavalry consisted solely of elves was also formed. Cool. So now we're up to like current events, them working mm-hmm. with the guardians against the human kingdoms, all of that stuff. Yep. Um, in accordance with the arrangements outlined in the Peace of Sintra, Doblathana maintained its autonomy, though Enid, or Francesca, was forced to swear fealty to King Dimavin III. 32 Vrihid officers were handed over to the Nordlings, who were supposed to judge them fairly and grant them amnesty. It is known, however, that at least some of them were brutally murdered. As, uh, as they do, those, uh, those humans. This next trust part is considered uh not canon to the books uh treated unfairly by humans elven commandos continued to fight though in smaller and smaller numbers some of them joined saskia and vergin believing in her idea of a country without prejudice tolerant of all nations and races yeah but now we're getting Uh, to uh game stuff video game yeah video game territory um that part specifically uh considered not aligned with canon um and then for uh, the last part, sometime before the 1370s, so way, way like mm-hmm. in the future, um, Ard Gaeth opened during the second conjunction and all the she left the world before leaving. However, the elves destroyed or took with them all their cultural heritage, such as paintings. So uh, surprise, there's another conjunction and the elves all leave. I'll leave. They're just like, screw you guys. We're out of here. I mean, they haven't exactly been <laughs> doing that great for themselves here. They might as well. Yeah, that's like, really. There's so like we know there's so many other spheres out there. Like, you know, you just have to like you keep going until you find like a good one. Right. Like, right. I mean, that's such a big thing to put in the timeline i mean i i know none of the books take place during or after this right but mm-hmm. the idea that like if you were to expand the literature out from here that's like a huge difference like it's it's rare that you see like gigantic drastic changes like that in the nature of like a, a fantasy world like yep now there's no else on the continent anymore or if there are they are they're you know very rare and they decided to come back or something mm-hmm. it's yeah, very substantially different than ev- like the tone of everything else up to that point. Yeah. Um, as for uh, inspirations for the Ainshi, uh, they're likely based on the light elves in Norse mythology and the Seely Court of Fairies in Scottish folklore. Their name is also inspired by the AOC, older form of ASC, a nation of fairies and elves in Irish mythology who live in a parallel world from humans. Yeah. A lot of this stuff is the same uh, core inspiration that authors like J.A.R. Tolkien took when including elves and these other fairy races into his works. So I have to wonder how much of this was like so much of fantasy after Tolkien is very Tolkien inspired. So the idea that like in 
the Lord of the Rings, you've got elves who live much more closely with nature. They have more natural na- magic abilities, those kinds of things. Does the inspiration for these stories go back directly to that? Or is it jumping back to the same core material? Or is it just a mix of both? You know, like I, at some point you can't even make the distinction. You're like, well, I'm familiar with these other works to say that they did or didn't inspire me is like, well, was I actively thinking about it at the time when I wrote this? Or is it just kind of, again, the, the, the framework underneath everything when you're just thinking general fantasy? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I obviously don't know. I mean, we know how much like research and efforts like put into like, you know, doing these books and whatnot. I imagine like, and that's kind of in that general area. Like we know that, uh, under Sapkowski, like drew a lot from like Slavic mythology, uh, and then like Norse mythology and some of like Irish, uh, or I guess like those, those isles mythology. Um, and then, you know, I guess he <laughs> like seemingly added uh, a bit of like history from like, you know, the U S and stuff. So definitely a m- multicultural like things that are being added in there. I mean, just the idea of like, you know, uh, well, I guess that wasn't his design. So never mind. I'll refrain. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, I think at some point, if you're just well read, if you just understand history and you've read a lot, and you are well informed, then any ideas you're going to you're going to put out are going to be combinations of those other ideas that are already floating around in your head. Right. So to say, like, I specifically took this idea from this place is probably much more rare than as an author than just like, yeah, this thing I made this thing. And now that I made it, there are similarities to these other things because it all just kind of mixes up in your head by the time it comes out as an author. And we know that there's like blending of these different elements and things between different like cultures, mm-hmm. you know, prime example, like Greek and Roman. There's so many similarities there. Like yeah. sometimes it comes hard to like pick out like which in particular, other than the names is strictly to which, you know, set of mythology there. So, right. Right. Yeah. Everything's <laughs> kind of just interconnected. Yeah. <laughs> so man, this is, this has been really cool uh, getting into the, uh, the elves here and just the distinction and how they're different from the humans and their whole, their whole plight, their whole story kind of encapsulated in one episode. Um, I think it would be really cool to, to again, I'm mean, speculating about the Witcher four game. If it takes place in the future after the elves leave, then like, how is that going to work? Like that would be, very strange. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean like, that they don't come back or that some of them don't visit or that some other crazy event doesn't happen. Like who's to say a third conjunction doesn't occur. Like it seems like the first conjunction is more, it seems more chaotic. It seems like one of those things that just kind of dropped people off in, in worlds that they weren't expecting to be in. That's the it's tone like of it I, that I get from it. I don't know if that's a smaller accurate. scale of like the big bang theory, like generally is kind of how I think about it. Like where like it, it granted, we knew these things existed before, but like they collided into each other and like, mm-hmm. you know, kind of formed into a new thing. So like magic, big bang kind of thing. Events um, I, I get is that it, I'm sure there were some very powerful individuals who knew about the conjunction, understood how to traverse realms and did it on purpose. 
But I also get the feeling that like for humanity that they were just kind of dumped off into a new world. Yeah, well, I mean, like most of the, that's kind of the because the, the the magic came from the conjunction, right? So, like, they didn't it, like this stuff. We're, we don't know a whole lot about like what things were like before. Yeah, but like, I mean, if you know, we're told that magic came from the conjunction. So, like, I'm I don't know if there was anybody who would have like been able to predict something like that because it's a very like at least not on the realm that the continent is on, right? Like yeah. if you came from another magic realm, like where the elves were or um, or like some of the elves are on these other planes, right? These other I don't know even what to call them. Other other realms, other yeah, but we don't like it because we don't like the nature of the conjunction. We don't know if magic existed on other realms or if it came like because mm-hmm. of or the act of them, like these spheres colliding with each other is what like the force that came off of it is magic and what created it in the first place or if maybe like it was latent but it was released by the conjunction like it was it's always been here but it was not active you know there's that kind of theory but back to my point though it seems to me more like humans were just kind of dumped off from one place into the continent like i get this picture of like portals popping up and just people falling out of them and going like crap where am I? How am I going to survive? It's the same right. idea with the elves. That's how the elves arrived because they weren't here. They got dumped off in the conjunction and the humans were later to arrive and we're not sure exactly, exactly what happened from, with them. The right. assumption is that they are, yes, they were dumped as well, but they sailed from some land, some distant land to the continent. Yeah. Um, so we don't know if like humans inhabited a different part of this world or like they were dumped off or both. Right. Like, right. Um, but in contrast to that first conjunction, which seems like a, just kind of a stirring up and mixing around of, of peoples, the second one doesn't have that kind of chaotic flavor to it. Hmm. Like it seems like the elves made a point and said, okay, here's our opportunity. Let's leave. But we don't have like new races just popping up other places or like whole swaths, like cities of people just all of a sudden, you know, disappearing into a portal somewhere unexpectedly, you know, at least as far as I know from the way that plays out. I mean, that's like, yeah, so it's gosh, (laughs) it's just so long. So, yeah, uh, yeah, because I mean, sometime before the 1370s or 100, that's a 100 years in the future from where we're at in our storyline. Wow. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Twenty three seventies. Right. Thirteen. Twenty three. No. No. The. the, the oh. The, Thirteen. I'm sorry. Yeah. Some, they left Not sometime funny. before the thirteen seventies. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm sorry. So, I'm, I'm thinking wrong century or wrong millennia. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, it would be interesting because I think you could do things with the storyline of the future of like maybe it's not a conjunction, but it's some other thing that occurs and mixes people up and puts them in places they don't expect to be in. You know, that kind of I thing. It's a question. You like how far in the future do you think we might be is the question of like, cause I mean the general storyline of the Witcher is not like very many years. Like, I mean, cause the books you said that, uh, what 1263 mm-hmm. we're in 1272 for the Witcher three is like nine years for like the entire progression of the books and the video games. Yeah. Yeah. It's not very much. Um, so. yeah, I, I mean, you could, you could place it anywhere after that. I mean, that's the whole thing is that like, is it in the past? Is it in the beginning? Like, 
so many events if you look at a timeline there's a lot of events that are kind of played out in the timeline as like this thing happens here this thing happens here this person dies here this person dies here this person dies here a lot of that stuff feels very set so if you were to do it in the future you'd have to take a lot of that into consideration whereas if you did it in the past there's so much about the past that we just don't know so maybe that's what the focus will be i don't know it's just i don't know speculation listeners if you guys have some theories on this stuff i'd love to hear them um also uh ben wrote my patron chat is the 29th toasty we need a topic oh for your show for ben's show yeah yeah Yeah, for holocron yeah holocron histories yeah go check out ben's show holocron histories about star wars um but i think that's it for this episode for us uh again feel free to join us next week if you'd like to sign up on the patreon we'd love to have you and throw out some ideas even if you're not on the patron chat if you want to just pitch some ideas in the discord channel for the witcher lore cast throw out some ideas we'll consider them toasty you got anything else going on you want to share before we head out um the usual follow us on, uh, at the witcher lore cast on twitter um i believe that the cyberpunk season two episode one was dropped today on their patreon so which means very soon for everybody very soon i actually found out the reasoning for that and i apologize but apparently um during like the edit there there was some big crazy mess ups with the editing process on that my audio was like completely jacked up like it was like oh no apparently because i don't i don't understand editing tom does on the editing on the show um but like she had it was so messed up she had to basically uh In, it was like imitate was your voice and then redo all of your lines yeah but as she was like no <laughs> <laughs> no uh i guess my audio track was playing at like a different time in the recording than the, like they were it was the so de-synced. like i yeah. was yeah while we were like halfway in the episode i was still bullshitting like at the beginning because we like mess around for a little while or whatever um yeah so she had to separate out my audio and try to reset it but it kept doing that as she was trying to do it so it's just taking her uh ariel really long time to to get through that but uh i guess she's she's got it she figured it out seeing stuff soon um i assume it's on the patreon based on cass's reaction in the the chat so She's cool. a castle's over here freaking out about it. So I'm like, I guess that means the episode's out, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Go, go check that out. Cyberpunked. And uh, we've got all my shows, all the different lore casts. Like I mentioned, the Lord of the Rings lore cast, Fallout lore cast, Elder Scrolls, Mass Effect. Mass Effect's coming up next. So stay tuned for that. But all that stuff over at robotsradio.net. Um, Toasty, I just released some, uh, some lo-fi tunes on Spotify. I've been making some music. And... It's free for content creators to use. It's copyright free. So you're not going to get like if you use it as a background of your game stream or if you use it in a video, you're not going to get copyright strikes from that. So if you guys are looking for some some chill lo-fi stuff, that's the first stuff I put out. I'm going to do some other types of music as well. But there's three songs currently available. You can add them to one of your playlists on Spotify. Just search Robots Radio. It's under Robots Radio. Also, it's called Lo-Fi for Synths. So go check that out and let me know what you think. Um, I mean, lo-fi lo-fi is kind of where it's at like i feel like most like streams and stuff you pop into you get like a lot of lo-fi music yeah it's, it's a really playing. nice like background kind of chill thing to be playing 
in the background. So yeah, go check that out. Add it to your playlists and and use it on your streams. I'd love for you guys to let me know if you're if you're doing that. Uh, but that's what we got for this week. We'll be back next week with our patrons. And uh, until next time, Toasty. Stay safe on the path. See you guys later. Bye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Witcher Lorecast. We'd love to hear about your experiences with the games and the books and the TV series and all your thoughts on everything. Please check out the Robots Radio Discord and follow us on Twitter at Witcher Lorecast. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.